Good morning and welcome to RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. I'm Melissa. I'm Jesse. And Francesca. And on this, the April 4th episode, we present part two of our RPS New Superintendent series. We sat down for a Q&A session with Jason Cameras, and since we are no April Fools, we asked all of your burning questions. Stop! (laughs) 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 But first... We're going to give you a little refresher on Cameras's 100-day plan. Alrighty, let's dive right in. Cameras's 100-day plan was launched on February 4th at the school board meeting. He originally started his first day at RPS was on February 1st. So his 100 days is actually up on May 11th. So we're about halfway through at this point where he's at on this plan. So there's three core uh, educational values that are part of this plan. It's engagement, equity, and excellence. So when he says engagement, it says that he believes that the work of public education must be done in collaboration with families and the communities. What equity means is that he believes all children, and he means all, have the inherent capacity for greatness. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's laughter remind us how we used to be. And excellence, he believes the adults responsible for education or young people must strive for excellence in everything we do. So each point of this plan has different action items that fall under it and help him with each category or help advance each category for RPS. So under engagement, Cameras' commitment to Richmond is in his first 100 days. He'll visit every single RPS school. He's going to meet individually with every board member, hold nine neighborhood town hall meetings, one in each district, hold five citywide town halls, conduct 12 living room chats, three in the east end, the west end, the south side, and the north side, meet with the mayor and his team, the chief administrative officer, and her team and each member of city council. Meet with each member of Richmond's Virginia Assembly delegation. Launch RPS Direct, which is a weekly communication directly from him to the public. By the way, you can sign up for that on the RPS website, as I discovered last week. Launch four advisory cabinets, one for each high school student, parents, caregivers, teachers, and principals, and hold a Twitter town hall. Under equity, his commitment for the first 100 days, uh, he says he'll identify a highly respected external partner to conduct an equity audit of all functions with RPS, launch a AP for all, ensuring that all RPS high schools have at least AP calculus, AP literature, AP biology, and AP Spanish, Uh, launch a task force to develop recommendations for embedding restorative justice practices across school-wide RPS, launch a task force to develop recommendations for providing teacher development for trauma-informed care practices, launch a recruitment campaign focused on attracting teachers committed to serving our highest poverty schools, hold three teacher recruitment events specifically for RPS schools that have not yet achieved accreditation, launch a book study with the new RPS High School Student Advisory Council, starting with The New Jim Crow, which is a great book, you guys. Get it and read it. Walk the 
Richmond Slave Trail with his family and the school board, guided by Reverend Turner and Reverend Campbell. Visit the Black History Museum and the Cultural Center of Virginia with his family and the school board. And visit the Valentine's Nuestras Historias exhibit with his family and school board as well. And now it's time for excellence. <laughs> Under excellence, he plans to launch a strategic planning process for a new five-year RPS vision for instructional excellence to be completed by the fall. Launch a new philanthropic effort to raise significant resources to support the new strategic plan. Engage the Council of Great City Schools to conduct an audit of the RPS budget. Meet with the Virginia DOE to begin to chart a path to 100% accreditation by 2023. Establish an RPS task force to ensure that all schools open fully staffed for the 2018-19 school year. Launch RPS Student of the Month to highlight our young people demonstrating excellence in their schools. Launch RPS Educator of the Month and RPS Support Staff of the Month. Launch RPS Shines, a way for RPS educators and families to highlight great customer service from RPS Central Office staff. Provide all new RPS managers with two days of management training and support. Complete everything on this plan as he has promised by day 100, which is May 11. Woohoo! That's a lot. Good of luck with this list, stuff. sir. So before uh, we dive into his interview, <laughs> I would like to also point out something else on this plan. Did y'all notice the quotes? Oh, I yes. did, and there's some, some different one for each each, each page, and they're all yeah. like super powerful, yeah. Yeah. non-white guy quotes. All they right, are. so let's look at those. So, under engagement, <clears throat> quote for engagement is an African proverb: "If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together." The quote for equity is: "Education is the most powerful weapon to change the world." And that's from the great Nelson Mandela. And excellence's quote is. All labor that uplifts humanity has dignity and importance and should be undertaken with painstaking excellence. And that is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And then the last page of this 100-day report, it has a page to tell everybody to hold him accountable. So at the end of his first 100 days, he plans to report out to the board um, regarding the 100-day plan. I'll also mention, as I, as I discovered, the awesome weekly superintendent newsletter. We just received yesterday a update on the 100-day plan from him, which he does discuss in the interview. Indeed, he does, Jesse. And now, for your listening pleasure, our interview with new Richmond City Public Schools Superintendent Jason Cameras. We have Jason Cameras, who is our new superintendent of RPS. Thank you so much for coming today. Thanks Welcome. for being here. Welcome to Municipal Mania. Thank yes, you. Yes, Municipal Mania. Here we go. So <laughs> right before we dive into peppering you with questions, yeah. you and your family are new to Richmond, first of all. So welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much. Welcome. But for some of our listeners who haven't had the opportunity to meet you or hear you speak, maybe we'll have you speak about yourself, introduce yourself for a second. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think the most important thing about myself is that I'm married and have two kids. Um, my wife wife, Miwa, uh, was also a teacher. She taught kindergarten. Um, we actually met at a teacher training session. Aww. About 22. Yeah, isn't that? That's kind of sweet. <laughs> that is sweet. It's fitting. And uh, yeah, we were both teachers in D.C. And um, we uh, ended up getting married and we have two boys now. Uh, they're in first and third grade. All oh, right. Um, and the boys are the light of my life. I wish I could spend more time with them. Um, but they're finishing up the school year in D.C. right now. So we do a lot of FaceTime and every kind of other weekend I get to see them. That's that's pretty special time for me. I bet. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Uh, so family, huge and important to me. Um, and I've spent the last 22 years in, in D.C. working for the D.C. public schools. I uh, started as a middle school math teacher. And, you know, I've often said there's a special place in heaven for middle school teachers. Oh, absolutely. My mom 100%. is a middle school teacher. Really? really? Yes. 100%. What does she teach? 
uh, Portsmouth Public School. She teaches at Churchill Middle. What subject? She's what you call now the old school home ec teacher. Okay. But now I think it's called personal finance. But okay. she was in special education before then, and now wow. she's moved into that. Yeah. So, yes, there is a special well, place I, in heaven. I, you know, I, lo- I love middle school because, you know, my kids... They're laughing one minute, crying the next, mm-hmm. arguing the next, and then laughing again all within five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, and look, I love teaching. I love being with teachers, being in schools. It's why one of the reasons why I prioritize being in every one of our schools um, as fast as I could be. And so yesterday, actually, I hit 44. Yeah. So I got to all of our schools. All right. It's just so much fun for me. And uh, when I go into classrooms, folks who have gone with me know I don't like or want the whole big, here's the superintendent kind of thing. Right. I just like to talk to the kids and kind of see what's going on because kids are super smart and they always tell you the real deal about what's mm-hmm. good and what's not so good. True. Uh, and that's whether they're four years old or 14 or 18 doesn't matter. They always have super insightful things to say. So, oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like to spend lots of time in schools. I think that's really important for this job as well. Of course, you got the most Richmond welcome possible <laughs> <laughs> long before today, which, of course, is the criticism that comes with coming to Richmond as an outsider. And sorry, Richmond, but that's just how it is. <laughs> um, so before we dive into your future vision of RPS, which will be our second half, sure. um, let's get into the ghost of Christmas past sure. and get those things out of the way. <laughs> okay. So a story began to fold in July 2017 um, regarding the accuracy of DCPS attendance records, including reports that alleged you were made aware of potential issues in like 2014, but you've publicly stated that you didn't have any involvement in the scandal. At the time, you were the chief of human capital and went on to become the chief of instructional practice. That's right. These aren't titles that we necessarily see in Richmond, and DPS is a totally different beast yeah. than RPS. <clears throat> so could you talk about your scope of your job in those positions and sure. what they were? Yeah, sure. Let me just first say on the on the graduation piece, um, it's incredibly disappointing and disheartening and tragic, really. And um, um, you know, I certainly wish the district well as they work through that very difficult issue. And, um, you know, I'm confident knowing the people there that they will get it right. But as I did state uh, publicly, and I'll restate now, I had absolutely nothing to do with it. I worked in a completely different part of the organization. So you asked about those two titles. One was... Um, really about the recruitment and development and training of teachers. Um, And the other was really about enhancing instruction in classrooms. So how do we um, increase not just the rigor of instruction, but the engagement and excitement and joy that we're having in our classrooms. And so those are really my two primary roles at DCPS. I didn't have any oversight of the secondary schools. The high schools was really the the key of that work. And um, if you look at the uh, big report that they put out, you will not see my name anywhere in that (laughs) report. Good. So that that clears the air on that for our listeners. Another criticism that's been around is the cost of your cabinet. Yeah. Um, But you have simultaneously reduced the size of your cabinet as well. What changes did you make and why? Yeah, that's a great question. So the current cabinet has nine positions. I'm reducing it to six positions. And so even with the increased salaries, it saves RPS $200,000, which we're going to reinvest in programs for kids. And so I want to make sure that the public hears that clearly. Um, I know the salaries are a little bit higher than they've been in the past, but, you know, I'm trying to bring in the best possible people uh, from across the country to to serve here. And sometimes, you know, you got to pay for for talent. Let me also just note that at least two of the members are taking very significant pay cuts uh, to come to RPS. In one case, $70,000. The other case, $45,000, because they're that committed to the work and to the school system. Um, so look, I look. This is the public's money. I welcome the scrutiny. I welcome the account.
accountability. Um, I think that's part of, of what is necessary in public education. Um, but I want to make sure everyone hears, uh, this is actually a savings for RPS um, and a reduction in the number of positions, which will help streamline our operations. Because right now, what I hear from a lot of people is we don't know who to go to because things are a little bit confusing. And so this is going to help bring clarity to how we run the central office. And that's been something, that's the theme buzzword of the year is efficiency. Yes. Unfortunately, last year and the Three, two or three years before that, the buzzword was transparency. <laughs> well, I'm down with both. So. <laughs> that was that was the buzz, buzzword for the past couple of years. So we can understand the salaries, and that does make yep. sense. We've discussed that. And we can understand the consolidations because that's definitely, like I said, the buzzword of the year is efficiencies. Yep. Why did you elect, though, to request approval from the board to not post the cabinet positions? Yeah. So first, I did post the chief of staff position. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, asked for the, the ability to just appoint. And and that's because, you know, I had a very clear sense of who I wanted in these roles. Um, I aggressively recruited great people for the roles, and I didn't want to go through a pretend process where we post something, we wait for people to apply, all the while I know who I want to hire. I think that's disrespectful to candidates, and I don't think it's transparent. So I told the board, look, I know who I want to apply, and I'm asking for the authority to move forward without doing, a, in essence, a sham hiring process. Mm. And so I try to be very honest about you know, here are the people that I think will do a great job. I'd like to move forward with them and let's not pretend that we're doing a process. I don't think that's right for candidates. I don't think it's right for the public. Three of your cabinet members came from DCPS. How would you respond to those who may have concerns about policies or practices coming from DPS to RPS, which we both acknowledge they're two totally different beasts. Yeah, I mean, they're totally different. Um, I guess I would ask people to judge them by who they are and their actions. Um, I think these are wonderful people who are extremely talented, who care a ton about kids, and who are going to kill themselves on behalf of RPS. And so I, I guess I would ask folks, you know, give me a second to introduce them, get to know them. They will be out in public just like I have been, and um, judge them by, by their actions here. And I think you'll find, I hope that your listeners will find that uh, these are extremely dedicated people who are going to do great things for the kids of Richmond. And so, um, look, I welcome the oversight. I welcome the scrutiny. Um, and I welcome it because I think these are fantastic people who are going to do great things. All that I ask is just give folks a chance and meet them as human beings. I think relationships are really important. Uh, you know, this work is 99% about relationships. And I think step one is let's just get to know each other. And once we do that, I think there's a lot that we can accomplish together. One of the other, I, th- I would probably say the greatest fears yeah. that people have when your name comes up, and a lot of people did, quote, air quotes, research <laughs> <laughs> on, on you yeah. <laughs> before you came and everybody screaming, you know, oh my gosh, he's going to bring charter schools to Richmond. <laughs> and that's been a major concern. I mean, it really has. It's been a ama- Every time I, I'm somebody laughing comes because, in. I just have to say, go ahead. I've spent 20, over 22 years in education. All 22 of those years have been in the traditional public school system in mm-hmm. D.C. I have not spent a single day working for, working in, working on behalf of a charter school. I have zero, let me be absolutely clear, yes. zero desire, desire to bring charters into RPS. My goal is to create a wonderful, world-class, traditional Richmond public schools. I don't know how I could say this any more clearly. Literally, I've spent zero 
zero time in a charter school. And let me be clear, there are good charter schools out there doing good things for kids. And so I don't begrudge folks who are doing that work. Um, It's just not what I've worked on and it's not the path that I want for Richmond. So I will keep saying this. Hopefully at some point somebody will listen. But if you do the research, you'll see my entire life has been in the D.C. public schools, which is a traditional public school system. There are charters in D.C. Mm -hmm. I just didn't work with There's charters in Richmond too. I'm glad that you said that. Great. So that gets that off the table. And let me just say like, you know, we is have... everybody clear on that now? <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, Patrick Henry is is a wonderful mm-hmm. charter doing great work. Um, the school board just 9-0 uh, approved its, its charter for another five years. So, uh, you know, I hope we can get beyond some of these um, sort of governance battles and yeah. just focus on the stuff that matters for kids. Um, great instruction, great teachers, great supports. But again, I don't know how I can be any more clear about this. Um, I think all... you just did. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is what we wanted. Okay, we great. wanted that because people, I don't care how much we talk about it it comes up yeah a lot and we're like oh let's we're just gonna ask him right out so yeah that he great can put that out and, there and people can hear and it. i appreciate it I, I welcome the the tough questions whatever they are i think it's in the exchange that we we get to the truth and and I said we develop the relationship which i think is at the core of this work that's it and that's yeah. definitely what we want people to hear we yeah. want i think on paper people will make their own assumptions so sure. we want you to be able to talk about those things and we'll ask i'm, I'm done with the tough questions i promise <laughs> it's okay. It's okay if you have more <laughs> I think this is a more fun section okay so let's move on to the future vision for rps great looking at your 100 day plan you included three core educational values yep engagement equity and excellence can you talk about what those values are and what they mean for RPS? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first, thank you for reading the 100-day plan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. Yes. <laughs> and it wasn't, uh, we want to thank you for it not being a 608 PDF yeah, file, <laughs> I know. which the budget was, but we read all. We slogged through all that, too. Don't worry, we do love a PDF here. <laughs> thank you for only making it eight pages. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, you know, we laugh about that, but I do think it's important to just be concise and clear about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I find a lot of these quote unquote plans are just these interminable PDFs, as you said, and and they end up just being the kitchen sink, you know, everything in the world. And that's not really a plan. That's People just don't read it. That's just a list of everything in the world. So um, to your question, uh, these are three really important values to me. And I wanted to be clear about that from the first day. So so engagement, as I've already indicated relationships, I think, are, are key to this work. So I believe very strongly that this work has to be about uh, families and kids and teachers and schools and community partners and politicians, everybody working together. That means we have to be engaged with one another. And so a lot of what I have been doing um, up until this point is just getting out there and meeting people and listening and taking tough questions and sharing my thoughts. Um, I find that when you honestly engage with folks, there's almost nothing you can accomplish uh, on behalf of kids. And so that will be a hallmark of, of my work going forward. I think we need to bridge the divide between school and family. Too often it's sort of like families over here, schools over here, and then you got community over here. And so you'll hear me talk a lot about getting teachers and schools out into the community. I made a lot of home visits as a teacher, which is, it's just, it was critical to my ability to develop those connections and relationships so that I was able to break through with some kids and with some families to really provide the kind of instruction that I wanted to provide for kids. And so let me be clear, I know teachers have they're exhausted. A lot of them are feeling beat down. So I'm not trying to add something else to the plate. Um, right. Let me just say, I want us to find a way to create a sustainable way where school personnel can be out in the community even more to bridge that divide while we ask more from families too. I think mm-hmm. this is a two-way street and um, we got to develop those relationships. Also on engagement, let me just say, you know, what I've 
one of the things I've loved about Richmond is how many partners and, and interested folks there are to help. Uh, what I'm finding, though, is a lot of them are tripping over each other. And uh, and so what I see it as our you know part of the engagement process is kind of understand the landscape so that we can leverage those resources for some key priorities and really kind of row in the same direction and get the most out of all this wonderful effort that we have in the city. Uh, so that's engagement. Um, equity, huge, um, hugely important to me. Look, this is Richmond, uh, the former capital of the Confederacy. <laughs> um, I'm just going to say it like it is. Say it. Uh, we have extreme injustices that we're still living with that are a direct result of slave ships coming across the Atlantic Ocean 400 years ago. And anyone who doesn't think that there's a line between those two things just isn't paying attention. Amen. And so, yes. you know, I will talk very openly about race and class and, um, you know, how resources are distributed, how teachers are distributed. I'll, I'll give you an example. I have, without naming schools or without naming people, come across, you know, a, a, an employee who wasn't doing right by kids. And I want to be clear, that's the very, very small minority. Um, I, I'm super impressed with our folks. But mm-hmm. this was one employee that wasn't doing right by kids. Um, and so instead of RPS removing that employee, they just transfer the employee to another school. Mm-mm. Now, do you think that employee was transferred to the East End or the West End? <laughs> oh, I'm sure to the East End. Exactly. And that's just unacceptable. So when I talk about equity, that's the thing I'm those are the kinds of things I'm talking about. I'm also talking about resource allocation and equity is inequality. The kids who have the greatest needs need the most. And so we need to make sure that we are pouring resources, time, energy, support, staff into those schools that, that need it. This gets to, uh, I think we also have to talk about our growing Latino population in the city. Um, I know Richmond's history for so long has been a black, white narrative. Yes. Um, but we have largely forgotten our Latino community and our school system is just realizing that that is a huge percentage of our families. And it's booming. And it's booming. And we have families who only speak Spanish coming up to the school door, and nobody in the school speaks Spanish. And so just imagine how that would make you feel as a family. Our dropout rate for our English language learner students is 74%. That's ridiculous. I mean, I, that hurts my heart. I mean, that is, that is criminal. It is. <laughs> and so we have to leverage every conceivable resource policy that we can to make sure that kids who are furthest away from opportunity in their lives are getting the most so that they can be successful. So that's that's equity. And then excellence, we got to be excellent in what we do. Uh, our kids are, are counting on us. And so I'm going to hold myself accountable, hold staff accountable. Um, it also means raising the bar for what we ask of kids. I've been in some first grade classrooms, second grade, third grade classrooms where kids are coloring. That's not acceptable. I have a fourth grader, so <clears throat> I know how ridiculous that yeah. is. So we got to raise the bar. We got to ask kids to do rich, challenging, engaging work um, if we expect them to be leaders and thinkers and creators. And so um, excellence is about making sure those things are happening. Excellence is also about, you know, when you call HR, you got to get a call back. Um, you know, we, we open up the school year with vacancies, but we're making it hard for teachers to get hired here. And I've heard so many stories of teachers who wanted to, to work here, but we didn't get back to them. And so they went to Chesterfield or Henrico or whatever the case may be. We just can't afford that. So let me be clear. We have a lot of very hardworking, wonderful folks that are I want to be absolutely clear about that, but I just want to make sure that we are taking the next step forward to be excellent in everything that we do. Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! So as of today, you're 57 days into your 100-day plan, which uh, 100 days hits at May 11th. Yes. 
So what big items have you checked off so far? Yeah, so uh, hit all the schools. Um, Congratulations. Which is Thank amazing. That's a feat. Thank We've you. been following that on Twitter. I know. I know. You amazing. guys have been very good with that. Um, I have held um, more than, I think, more than six or seven of my living room chats. Um, I'm doing 12. Uh, these are just amazing. Every Friday evening, uh, sit with a couple of families in their living room. Um, we started in the East End and made our way around the city, and we're now on the second or third round of those. So those will will definitely be wrapped up by May 11th. Um, I've made it to, I think, uh, five or six or seven of the district town hall meetings that I've been doing. I had uh, District 1 last night, and those are also wonderful just to hear from the community directly what's what's on their minds. I've met with every school board member. I've met with half the city council. I've met with half of the uh, assembly delegation. So lots and lots of stuff on the on the engagement front, on the equity front, we're about to launch our trauma-informed care task force, our restorative justice task force. We are uh, doing lots of other things on that front. I just had a call with uh, the Education Trust yesterday about launching our equity audit. So we'll be looking at some key parts of RPS functions and budgets and how does it play out in terms of equity. So I think we're making a lot of progress there. Um, and then on the excellence front, uh, doing a lot of work there. We're uh, about to announce uh, training for staff, which is going to be really exciting. And uh, we've gotten started on some philanthropic efforts to raise money to support uh, the work we're doing. We're about to launch the strategic planning process. So uh, we have been busy. The, the staff... say you've been really yeah, busy in yeah. 57 days. <laughs> yes. The RPS team um, is, is exhausted, so give them some love when you see them because uh, they're doing a lot to help make this all happen. Amazing. That's a That's lot. That's good to hear. Yes, That's a lot. lot. I don't, I don't, I don't sleep much. Uh. <laughs> we can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> One big item still remaining is the strategic plan, which yep. you have uh, set to be completed by the fall. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about what the general public should expect from the strategic planning process? For example, what will the process look like and how will people be able to get involved? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, so we're hoping to launch this in the next uh, two or three weeks, and um, this will be a very broad community-based process where we will have lots of opportunities for community members, parents, teachers, kids, everybody to get involved. One of the things um, that we want to make sure of is that this feels like our plan not just my plan. I certainly have thoughts about some of the things that we need to do, but I want to make sure that we're hearing from everybody so that come the fall, we have a plan that reflects uh, the hopes and the dreams of the city of Richmond. Um, I will say I want to, um, on the front end, prepare folks for, and you alluded to this, what I don't want is a 100-page document which just lists everything anybody ever wanted for RPS. <laughs> that's not a plan, that's a list. Um, and what I have found is when school districts try to do 100 things at the same time, they do 100 things badly. But when they try to do three or four or five things excellently than they can. And so what I'm hoping to do is we have a thousand things we need to do, but we're going to have to focus and prioritize so that we do a great job and then sequence things. And then we can move on to the next things. And so um, I'm so excited to get the thoughts and feedback of the entire city. Um, but then we need to have an honest conversation about how do we prioritize and how do we sequence. Also, we don't have an unlimited uh, bank account. So true. It, you know, there's not enough to do everything we want to do tomorrow. Um, but I'm so excited to, to have these conversations and and craft that plan. Now, obviously, any planning process can get a bit pricey. Uh, mm -hmm. We don't recall seeing the estimated cost for the strategic plan as a line item in the superintendent's estimate of needs of something the district was requesting additional funding for. Do we know the estimated cost and what budget does that come out of? Yeah, so in the 100-day plan, you, you'll see I noted launching a philanthropic effort to support the strategic plan. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. And so the, the education fund is already working on that. And so it will we will not use any public dollars for that philanthropy. Yeah, that was important to me that um, I know sometimes 
sometimes these plans, you know, this process can be expensive, and I wanted to make sure that we weren't taking money away from kids to do that. Do you have any more details on that? or uh, Not yet. We will soon uh, okay. when we do some more updates. But, yeah, as that, as that becomes available, we're glad to make it available. Can you talk about the partner program and living room chat programs a little bit yeah. more? Yeah, and so um, hopefully these will, these will get funded uh, through the city council. The, the parent partner program is really about um, – one of the things I talked about before, bridging this divide between school and family, and particularly in communities where this has been one of the greatest challenges. So, you know, I'm at a lot of schools where I, I hear folks say, look, we, you know, we held the PTA meeting, but nobody came or, or things of that nature. And I think part of this is because many of the families that we serve, uh, the parents, the caregivers are dealing with so much in their lives. And um, they might be working two or three jobs if they miss one of those shifts to come to a parent conference meeting, they might lose that job. And maybe the minimal health care that goes with it. Or maybe they're facing trauma in their own lives. Or maybe school for them wasn't a positive experience. And the idea of coming to the school building is actually terrifying. Or invaluable. Or invaluable, absolutely. And so the idea here is can we identify leaders amongst the parent community you know, there's always those people who know everybody and who kind of organize folks informally. Mm-hmm. And can we formalize that and actually hire those folks and say, hey, can you be our conduit? Can you help organize uh, parents that you know? Can you help share the information from the school because the normal channels that are being used may not be getting out into the neighborhood? And so leveraging and respecting our parents as the resources that they are to be able to help bridge this divide. So that's the idea. And, and that would be prioritized in our highest poverty communities. That's that program. And then the um, the other one... Living room chats. Living room chats, yeah. So this is, again, hearkening back to what I was speaking about before in terms of home visits. Um, I did do a lot of work uh, partnering with folks in our uh, family and engagement office in, in D.C. around training teachers to do home visits. And there are good protocols to use, ways to make the conversation as productive and constructive as possible. And, um, and so that's the kind of training that I'd like to be able to do here as well so that we can help teachers take that step to uh, be out in our communities and to be able to make those home visits. And um, so this is a way to kind of pilot it and see what works and what doesn't here in the Richmond context. And if it works, then we can scale it up and, and go from there. And here's two warm fuzzies for okay, you. Okay, yes. <laughs> have you and your family had a chance to go to any of our museums yet? Yes. Have you um, enjoyed it? Is yes. that a favorite? So our boys love the uh, Science Museum. Um, it's really good. It's super hands-on. Um, they love, there's this part where you can like race against different, um, I think it's like animals or vehicles or whatever. Um, and so, um, you know, they're eight and six-year-old boys. So that was a lot, a lot of fun for them. Um, so that has been uh, their favorite spot. We also went to Maymont Park, um, which was great. Beautiful. So they're excited oh, to... wait until it's in full bloom. Yeah, that's it what I hear. Just that's what I hear. Yeah. the most beautiful place yeah. in Richmond. We're excited. And feed those goats. <laughs> I haven't met the goats yet, but oh, okay. Oh, go meet the goats. That's, <laughs> like my, that's my favorite like part. Uh, <laughs> do you have a favorite RPS moment so far? Uh, I do. I think I was... I think I was at Broad Rock, but I can't quite remember. Um, I was visiting with, um, it was before school started and the kids were having, um, you know, their breakfast. And um, I was just talking to parents and talking to kids. And this uh, one 
uh, girl. She must have been, I think, in the pre-K program, so maybe four, maybe kindergarten five, and just came up and gave me the biggest hug ever. Aww. And then all of her friends came up and gave me a huge hug. Aww. and <clears throat> um, New best uh, friends. Yes. And it was just like the sweetest, most loving, beautiful thing. And um, and I needed it that day. So um, I think that is one of my highlights. Absolutely. Oh, I yeah. like that one. Yeah. New little friends. Yes. New little friends. <laughs> Well, several times you've mentioned you want the public and the board to hold you accountable, and that's yeah. an amazing thing because yeah. a lot of people say that, especially Richmond politi- yeah. politicians. They say that, but they don't mean it. If you haven't heard, um, we're all about accountability. Yes. That's, that's our VA. That's your thing. thing. That's all our right. thing. Our jam. <laughs> <laughs> that's our jam. I like it. So um, in your perspective, in what ways do you think people can hold you accountable? Yeah. Well, on um – I will always be clear about what I'm doing and what I'm going to try to do. And then I think you should check up and see, did I do that? So one of the reasons I put out the 100-day plan is to be super clear. So on May 11th, the board will report out, did we do these things? And I think that's important to just building trust. I think I have heard when I'm out and about, there's just a depth of trust uh, when it comes to the school system. And I think some of that's not warranted and some of it is warranted. And I think I see it as my role to try to uh, rebuild that trust. And I think one of the ways you do that is just be clear about what you're doing and then welcome the accountability to to see if it's working. I will also, I am sure that I will continue to uncover things mm-hmm. that are not good news. And I will, uh, I will put them out there. Um, all that I ask uh, from the public is an understanding that I just got here, and there's a lot that I'm sure I will uncover that needs addressing. Um, I'll, I'll put it out there, and then I'll work to address it. And whenever I screw up, I'll own it, and then I'll work on fixing it. And I promise you that I won't be perfect, right. because I won't, and I'm going to make mistakes. Um, and so when I do, you know, I'll say I did, and all that I ask is work with me to fix it, and, and then we can move on. And where we have a disagreement... We can have a disagreement, but we can disagree without being disagreeable. Um, folks are passionate about education, as they should be. But I'm going to stick to those three core values. Uh, those are the things that I, they're at my core. They're my North Star. And so those are the things I, I won't compromise on. Um, how we get to those things, yeah, I'm glad to have good, honest conversations about how we zig and zag to, to make it all happen. So how can community members, though, best support RPS and support you in your vision? Lots of ways. Uh, one, send your kids to RPS. Um, that will help. Two, whatever role that you're in, whether it's a nonprofit or whether you're in business, whether you're in the arts, um, we'd love to have your help. And I know it's been kind of hard to help RPS sometimes in the past, um, so we're going to try to make it a little bit easier. But in exchange, all that I ask is that you um, open yourself up to direction from RPS. Um, I want to make sure that our partners are doing the best and highest leverage work that they can be doing uh, for the schools and and for our kids. Uh, Third, advocate for resources. I want the public to know, I'm sure you guys have covered this, but when the recession hit in 2008, Virginia State cut the state-level funding, and we are not yet back up at pre-2008 levels. So we're 10 years later and still haven't gotten back up, and that has huge consequences for kids. So advocacy is hugely important, not just for funding, but also for policies. Um, as I shared at the uh, the march on Saturday, um, the gun crisis in this country is just out of control, and so anything that folks can do to help on that front um, I think is incredibly important that directly affects the lives of our kids and not just at schools, but more importantly in our communities. Um, As I shared, I've already lost two students in over 50 days that I've been here, and that is just unreal. And so we need need support on that front as well. And then just generosity of spirit. Um, I think uh, that goes a long way. And, you know, things, uh, I I guarantee you that we're going to make great progress, but I also guarantee you that it'll 
be bumpy and up and down along the way. And so I just ask for a generosity of spirit when we hit those bumps. You know, we'll work through them, uh, but let's keep our eye on the ultimate prize, which is making sure every kid gets a great education. What do you want people to walk away with, one, on your 100-day plan, but also your overall strategy for improving RPS? On the 100-day plan, I want folks to feel that I'm trying to live those three values. I only sleep about four hours a night right now because I'm trying to engage everyone everywhere. I will meet anyone, anytime, even if you disagree with me. In fact, I love those meetings the most, Um, so I want them to feel that. I want them to feel my commitment to equity. This is at my core, and I will continue to talk about that in front of all audiences of all backgrounds, and I want them to feel that I'm trying to to hold myself to a high bar and that I want us to raise the bar and be excellent here at RPS. Um, So that's what I want from the 100-day plan. And then for me, and as I think about the future, uh, you know, I think I'm going to come back to that word relationships, that I want our schools to be houses of relationship Mm -hmm. in essence, where kids feel loved and nurtured, where staff feels loved and nurtured, where families feel loved and nurtured, and that we're all in relationship with one another. I think that is at the core of this work going forward. And I know that's all like warm and fuzzy and whatnot and not super policy focused, but I actually think that is at the core of our ability to be successful as a school system and and to um, not just create folks who are kids who can pass the SOLs, but kids who can lead and think and create and be empathetic and help us create the society that we want for our families and our city. That's important. Well, we thank you so much. Thank you. It's great to be here. For coming and letting us quiz you on different yeah, things. Yeah, I'll come back anytime. We would great. love to have yeah. you come back on. Yeah, yes. I'm, uh, I'll, I'll freak out our communication staff and say that <laughs> I'm glad to do like a regular thing here if you want, um, just to kind of stay in touch with your listeners and yeah. take questions. State or wh- of the school. Wh- yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, we would love, love to have that to keep everybody informed yeah. about how you're doing, how your project's going, and if you have needs of the community, you Great. can get your message out Great. there. Great, I love uh, it. We're happy to help with that. Great, thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I missed the bus. Richmond Public Schools Superintendent Jason Camrys, and you are listening to Municipal Mania on WRIRLP 97.3 Richmond. And now is the time where we pick apart the interview. First of all, I, I want to thank, of course, Superintendent Jason Camrys for coming on the show. And personally, I'm really excited because I was unable to be here for this interview. However, I hear that he is willing to come back. You guys didn't scare him off. No, he no, said actually. he'd come back once a month to give like state of the RPS to us and tell our listeners what's going on with, with RPS. That's huge. So we'll see you next month. <laughs> yep, we sure will. We're going to hold you to it. You said hold you accountable, and we'll also hold you accountable for saying you're going to come <laughs> back to our show on a regular basis. Yep, we'll see you next month. So I, I want to ask, since like I was there when he presented it, but you guys heard it from him and his version of it, what was each of your favorite things about it? The, the actual plan, I think one of the things I continue to hear from him, whether he said the word or not, was his absolute passion for equity. And even though that was a major topic and he has so many bullet points to talk about it, I mean, it came up in almost everything that he said. It, it came back to, I want to create an even playing field for RPS students, and I want this to be done the right way, and we're going to address it. And I, I, that's something that, you know, we talk about it, and we've actually talked about it with the whole child model before, 
and it's kind of, you know, rearing its head in other areas. But he really went into depth about, you know, this is something that has to happen and it's going to take a lot of steps and we are going to prioritize to get it done. But this is primarily where we've got to start. And I think that's amazing because that's one of the things that RPS needs, but Richmond itself needs. Take down the statues. Go ahead. <clears throat> so my favorite part actually kind of falls in the engagement section because we've been lacking engagement, you know, with the community and with parents and the students for so long that uh, he's holding neighborhood town halls, citywide town halls, and then the living room chats, conducting That's the 12 huge. living room chats. So actually going to a student's home and sitting down mm-hmm. and speaking with the whole family to find out what are the biggest challenges for this particular student and what the parents and the student think they can do to improve quality of education that the child is getting. I think that's fantastic. I can't believe he's actually willing <laughs> to go out and do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and getting the information from the horse's mouth. Uh, you, that was a, a common practice for teachers way back when. But teachers, I'm telling you, there's a special place in heaven for teachers, I swear. Teachers have it really hard, and they don't probably don't have the time and to do that now. But the fact that the superintendent is going into people's homes and talking to them about their concerns, I mean, I don't know how much more genuine. So can I have a quick callback on something? It's Actually, this is going to be reaching a few episodes and conversations ago. Okay. I, I hope everybody maybe had listened to this or remembers it and hoping you both remember this. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when we were at council and – Reva went on a rant. <laughs> and I, I know you're probably looking about like I'm living crazy room, right now. About the living room meeting at, about the living room meeting at Amelia's house. Amelia Leitner's house. Mm-hmm. So Reva was upset because the superintendent mm-hmm. didn't invite her mm-hmm. to a lot, like basically one of these, what I'm assuming was probably one of the living room chats, yep. or if not a prototype precursor to one of these. Right. So I, I just kind of wanted to have a, a full circle moment of, you know, one person's <laughs> criticism yes, yes. is another person's engagement plan. There you go. Just right? Put that out there. I just realized, I'm like, that just went full circle. Thank you, Melissa, for the setup. There you go. <laughs> no problem. Um, but I do, I, it does uh, mean a lot to me that he's doing that because we've had such a huge lack of engagement. And the fact that he's a very busy man, he's clearly very busy. Yeah. Taking time to do that is meaningful and I do hope that others see that and respect it and respect said he's only getting four hours of sleep every night can't see his kids he's FaceTiming us he's given he's given so much time so he's giving currently giving so much time to really get his arms around this thing and I think that's great and I like to see you know everybody and we said that you know Richmond's going to meet you with criticism and that's one thing that's going to always happen and he's like I welcome the criticism yeah, the whole at the very bottom, hold me accountable. Yeah, he he's kept like, saying I it throughout it. the interview too. Hold me mm-hmm. accountable. I welcome your criticism as long as we're having a constructive dialogue. Mm-hmm. He's all there for it. So I don't mean to sound like a fangirl. No, <laughs> no I, I think that's definitely not it. I think for me, I've from the time that I've seen him at least, I, I appreciate what he's saying about hold him accountable and how much he emphasizes that. For me, my reservation will always be until we, it comes the time when we have to have a constructive conversation of disagreement. And if there is a plan where the majority of Richmonders aren't interested in it. And, you know, we talked on the last episode about things like performance-based pay, where that's the culture that he's been in and, and environment he's been in. So if that is something where Richmonders don't want something to happen or they don't feel like that's best for their kids or the board members feel that way, I, I just, I'm really, I'm hopeful 
I really am because mm-hmm. I would love to be in a situation where we have somebody in a role who means that, yeah. who does listen and take into account other people's points of view for sure. Well, I can tell you, if, if he's faking it, he's doing a good job because he's very convincing. Yeah. And, I mean, that's such a breath of fresh air. I know. Oh, he walked goodness. in here and it was easy breezy. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think my favorite part about his plan is not even the actual points of it, but it's, you know, his presentation of it. And what I mean by that is just very technical things when you're leading people and you're trying to drive change. Because if you look at it and you take a step back at the end of the day, yeah, he's a superintendent, but that is somebody who needs to motivate teachers. And that's somebody who needs Mm -hmm. to lead teachers and the administration on a very clear direction and path. So to take the time to make sure that you have three very core values that not only are the right things for the school, but that you believe in. And so at your core that you come across every single day as passionate because that's what you need to inspire in everybody else. And I I also appreciate that he's able to put and find really different action items Mm -hmm. that actually stand behind them of like, what will this look like in demonstration and articulate that and put it into like life. And because I think part of it, it it shows us a little bit of who he is and what he values, but Mm -hmm. also I think that clear direction and reminder of why somebody's in it, it, it's a positive management environment. So I really hope that the administration feels more supported in an environment with somebody who's able to communicate these things. And then our teachers in turn also feel that, um, that even if there are things where we have negative policies or things that we have to work on together and figure out and have dialogue about and get through. Which will happen. Which will happen. I really hope that through it all, the day-to-day classroom environment gets better for our teachers as a working environment. And that that helps inspire everybody to work together. And again, it works the same way in the community. Like to me, that's something that I and many others can rally behind. And that's something that he kept saying. He said, this is not just about RPS as a school building. This is about where it stands in the community. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's a major thing. Every every aspect of this plan includes the community. You know, we've got to have that connection and engagement in order to make RPS work. And it's so true. Oh, so true. And to touch back on uh, something we talked about in the last episode about his charisma. Mm-hmm. He's so charismatic. Yes, he is. He's a very charismatic person, and he seems very passionate about it. And I tend to be a little bit skeptical of people who have all of this natural charisma as their substance behind it. And I was really pleasantly surprised that there's a lot of substance behind the charisma. Mm-hmm. So it's not just all show. It's There's work yeah, You can happening. tell that he's passionate about what um, he's saying. And so, like I said, not to be a fangirl, because normally I'm trying not to be, but (laughs) it really was an enlightening experience and I have a lot of hope now that we'll finally get the people we deserve in the right places doing right by all of our children, including their parents and all of the staff that work for RPS. And then it will just enrich our entire environment. And something that I've noticed by him from him is um For as much as sometimes I'm the person that immediately says, like, this sounds too perfect to be true Mm -hmm. or too good to be true, and I'm very skeptical. Something that I think does round out his personality, and I'm stating this because I'm not sure if everybody has had the opportunity to to meet him or hear him speak or interact with him, but it's he does – seem more human when you see him in person and and the reason i say that is because the expression on his face (laughs) yes does not lie yes yes (laughs) um i've commented when i was in a school board meeting actually on twitter i was live tweeting it and it was the most painful discussion and i think i was ranting on twitter Mm -hmm. with a very you know my standard aloof (laughs) 
tired, probably hungry look on my face while I'm tweeting, so not really trying to show too much emotion. But he had the look on his face of how I felt. Uh, <laughs> hey, Mr. Cameras, would you like to be a correspondent for OGA Dirt? <laughs> I'm telling you. Well, what's going to happen is I'm just warning, pre-warning you now that, you know, you're probably going to have some awesome memes made courtesy of RV Dirt but because I, I, we love that. Yeah, and I appreciate the honesty of somebody because I'm the same way. Like, you're going to know exactly how I feel about something. And for something, you know, for as much as people can say and preach transparency and accountability. What I really hope is that that is an indicator possibly of somebody who is going to be honest as we go forward. And I think with everything that's in his past of of the places that he's been and and policies that he has enacted and everything, you know, as we go forward and, and continue to see, you know, there might be criticisms, there might be scandals, I, I really hope that he proves all of us wrong. I, I'm I'm so hopeful. I am so hopeful. He was such a breath of fresh air, and I'm just hoping that all of these things in this 100-day plan and more come to fruition for RPS. So let's go over, though. Is there anything y'all are concerned about? My concern might be something that, you know, we talked about off air. The kind of packing your cabinet full of folks you know and skipping the process. And I... And by, by that, you mean we, as in us three here, talked three about here off air. There was not, like, air. another conversation with cameras. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the three of us discussed off air the fact that he skipped the normal hiring process and kind of packed his cabinet with folks that he thinks are the absolute best for the jobs. Folks work, he, To work with him. To work with him. He knows these folks. He's comfortable with these folks. And while I totally accept his answer for it. And appreciate the transparency. And I do absolutely appreciate his transparency. Our concern is that he might be kind of living in an echo chamber there. He's just going to hear all the same ideas and everything back at him that he wants and maybe not a a lot of um, questioning or differing opinions. But I'm hoping, again, we're using that word hope, that he's going to prove us wrong, that that's a a concern we shouldn't have, and everything's going to go along just ducky. Yeah. I mean, he's got one, one cabinet position left which is the um the chief talent chief talent officer, chief officer. Talent officer yes so maybe that'll be a richmonder hopefully fingers crossed you know sorry when i hear chief talent officer i'm thinking like america's kids got singing bye i can't nope <laughs> Like, is it going to be a contest, and can we cover that? So I, I, I get it. I do. At the same time, it's the principle of the issue for me. What is that? It's where the money comes from for the strategic plan. The philanthropical works. Yeah. So, you know, on one hand, I really appreciate the respect of taxpayer dollars. Yeah. Because I, I do think, you know, we have paid a high cost for a superintendent to be let go. I don't even know what to call what the heck happened last year. Yeah. With Dr. Bedden. Rest in peace. Like Dr. Bedden. I mean, he's not dead, but, you know. No. He might oh. as well be dead to Richmond at this point. Oh, he is still out there and alive on Facebook. Oh, my. Whatever happened there, you know, there's a high dollar cost of, like, severance packages, right? Yes. And then you also have a high dollar cost of a superintendent search. And then you have a high dollar cost of, I don't know, consultants. And We're not going to talk about the consultants <laughs> right now. Yeah, like, I'm not going to start on that, but, like, anyway. Thanks. So you have a high all these dollars, so I really appreciate that this is something that the taxpayers themselves, you know, while we did elect the elected officials, you know, they made a decision that that was what's best for the district, and I appreciate the respect for the money. Because that is an added cost. And I appreciate that he's not going to cut corners and he wants to make sure that it's a strategic plan that has a lot of community engagement, which mm-hmm. some of that can have a high dollar cost if you decide to hire an outside company to help with it. And on top of all of that, I appreciate the respect to the cost. However, at the same time, we're in a public education system. And public education means funded with public dollars. And it, this is actually something that 
on the February 5th meeting, Kenya Gibson, third district school board member, brought up of the optics and the fact that, you know, what are the outside influences potentially that you open up for of a strategic vision that's not funded by public taxpayer dollars? And, you know, I, I, I'm totally going to wait and see, you know, what's the philanthropy? Like, how's the fundraising go? Like, what's for me, my big thing is that with public dollars, not only is the principal thing, but there's also different levels of reporting to see, you know, where does the money go? How much did it cost? Like, I just like to be able to have access to that stuff also to hold people accountable. So part of me also thinks, was there an option to say, hey, philanthropic community, we have this other item that we need to have funded and be able to even just switch the funds over and say, hey, this is going to be paid off through this donation. But then the strategic plans, and yeah, I know it's kind of just like a sleight of hand, but if it's going through the same channels of having the money come from public taxpayer dollars, at least, of like what the check is directly cut. Because, you know, I know that I can go and look up the check register for RPS and RPS board and see exactly what was spent and how. Whereas I can't necessarily do that for the for the land, for, for, huh, nonprofit. Philanthropic. <laughs> <laughs> Philanthropic in organization. It is. By the way, can I just mention right now, we are recording this. It is Friday, March 30th, and it is 10 42 p.m. Don't judge my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's called dedication to our community, y'all. And a poor delivery service of a couch. Anyway. Ugh. So. Yeah, back to the topic though. Like that's that's something that I have a little bit. I it's not like necessarily a concern. It, it's really more I maybe wish that that's the direction he decided to go in, especially when he heard the concern from Kenya Gibson in the meeting. Well, and and it's not. I he sort of mentioned it during the interview, and he said, you know, there's going to be some. He's done some, you know, kind of donation uh, searching, and he was seeking philanthropic money. And I asked, I said, is there going to be more information? He said, yeah, just not right now. So maybe that information will be made public. Maybe it's not going to be secret squirrel and kept a secret as to who it is. But there's another spin on that, I think, which I've already heard through the grapevine, you know, on social media. People are already kind of chit-chatting about it as they start to realize that now looking at the 100-day plan that the strategic plan will be funded with philanthropic money from the community. There's a couple of handful, the same people that donate to certain causes and will collect monies for certain things. And in Richmond, they feel like they're the boss and they hold the paycheck. And if you crop, uh-oh, <laughs> I didn't say it. But the rainbow cookies, though. <laughs> but, you know, if you if you ask me for money, you know, and, so, and that aforementioned person, you know, has also been known to make t- lots of, you know, donations to different things and, and not have it be politically motivated. But there are just as many that are and will donate money it, with the expectation of I expect you to and for me, look you know, out for me if well, I'm giving a, it's, you this. It's there's also, a tradition in Richmond of buying influence. And, and that's, for me, that's you know, a I, Richmond thing. I don't think it's necessarily even that there's an expectation in exchange for the money. Mm-hmm. And this is not even at the Richmond level for me personally. It's much bigger than that. It's where I have a stance on a lot of different money in politics is regardless of what level it's at, it buys you time. A politician only has so many hours in a day like all of us. Mm-hmm. And when you're getting call after call after call after call from constituent, 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 and you're having to figure out how to filter these and how to manage these, you know, I think that there is a tendency potentially for people to be more responsive to people who are supporting them, obviously. Yeah. 
and being their future supporters because politicians are elected, of course, by campaigns funded by all of us. So when you have the same type of person or the same type of interests that really are in somebody's ear because they answer the phone more frequently, you know, those are the ideas and thoughts of things. It's very one dimensional for me. You know, I've gone to fundraisers before and, you know, you can get to a place where you can see, stop it. Melissa's showing me right now a wrap it up gif and I'm trying to wrap it up, but she's killing me right now. (laughs) The wrap it up. Wrap it up, B. Stop. Anyway. (laughs) so anyway so i think my concern is probably you know when we talk about money i just want to put it out there it's not necessarily that people are bought and paid for 100 percent all of the time there are absolutely politicians that do that but it also can buy people's time or ear i mean even just acknowledging and recognizing face to face the more you have face time with a politician for example even little stuff you know i didn't donate to kim gray's campaign but when i see her at kroger she says hi yeah she knows my name some of that's the facetime and like things that get you facetime and yeah. if that's on the phone if that's in person that's where you can also see the money come into play and i think that's my concern is again this echo chamber of the influences of the voice or if you at some point want something more from somebody in the future you know what if they didn't agree with you what about this all these different concerns so i just wanted to kind of clarify also or expand the money concern so it's not it's not quite an issue yet we're just kind of airing our concerns we i guess we'll find out how public it's made yeah it's the airing of typical richmond concerns there the things go. that come up whether they're needed or not so i think the the big summary and takeaway for all of us here is that we are cautiously optimistic And we look forward to holding Superintendent Cameras accountable. And hopefully through our monthly uh, conversations with him, you know, we'll be able to take some questions and answer some questions and try to get more information out there about what is happening at RPS and what the progress of his different plans are. And maybe even, for example, you know, when we hear things about Riva saying, this is what happened and this is the way it is, we have the opportunity to ask if one person's uh, criticism is another person's excellence plan so and if you (laughs) and if you heard anything in today's interview that you'd like to question him on please feel free to start the conversation with us on twitter facebook instagram whatever at rva dirt and we'll be sure to pass that question along you can also tag him he's at jason cameras and He also is very responsive and social media savvy. So if you want your question answered straight from the horse's mouth, go ahead and tag away. All right, that does it for another episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. Let's keep the conversation going by hitting us up at RVA Dirt on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And don't forget to mark your calendars, folks. The City Council formal meeting is this coming Monday, April 9th at 6 p.m., The RVA Dirt Girls produce this hot mess all by themselves, yeah. And our theme song is Manic Monday, because most municipal meetings are on Monday. Shocker. Be sure to join us next week for another fun-filled edition of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania, every Wednesday at 11 a.m. right here on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. (laughs) 